Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Hello there. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Oh, hello there. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football, at least for the next 14 months. But that's what we're doing. That's what we do here on the POC Sometimes. Dave, Dave tries to mess me up. It works a lot. It doesn't work a lot. It works sometimes. It, it works today. sometimes. It worked today. Uh, we're excited. <clears throat> we got a show. We're going to be wrapping up spring football coverage. We got the NFL draft, Colorado's exodus. We got to get uh, some info on that from our buddy Adam Munster Tiger over at buststampede.com. We got questions, got a voicemail. If you have an email, if you want to send us an email, some kind of question, some topic for us to talk about. Pactful podcast at gmail.com is the email address where you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. No text this week, but we do have a voicemail. And of course, Adam Munster Tiger called in as well with the update, which is great. So we're going to love to get to that one. You can we're going to love to get to that one. going to love it. I, I've been craving some Adam Munster Tiger. Like, just follow his tweets. Yeah, I know. You have to follow his it, tweets. I've been thinking for a long time. I just need some Adam Munster Tiger. I... I I, I don't put anyone on alerts, but I was about to put them on alert. I just wanted to see what was going on. <laughs> there were a lot of tweets. Do you do do you put people on alert or no? No, I, I don't do that either. But um, so some people do, and uh, I, I was going. I was. I haven't done it, but I was going to do it because I just wanted to know what the heck was going on. Not only Colorado. do I not, I don't know how. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> uh, some of my writers used to like um, put me on alert, so when I would tweet, I'm like, that seems like a terrible idea, but whatever, they would do it. Uh, our website is Pactful Podcast. Uh, com. We got all our content up there. David won't recommend you go there, but I do because I'm the one that updates that. Reddit, we're over there on Podcast of Champions. No, we're not. When was the last time you visited that thing? We're still there. I mean, we're not. It exists. Should we drop it? No, but we are not. Like, Well, the, the show is. like, our, I guess. But like in a... The in remnants a, of us. Yeah, we don't actually enjoy going there. I, I just went there. Uh, the last post was two months ago. Okay. So we have not have much on the Reddit. So there's Reddit, which is popular, right? Like we have our own message board. So sort of same thing, I guess. Uh, Discord, is that the same thing? Is it like an app for it? Like It's like I a thing where you talk. I, I don't know, man. I haven't tried that one either. I don't know. I hear about it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. 
Like we have our own message boards. We've like got we the chat things. on the YouTube uh, videos. That's all we need. With the chat there, we have the message boards that we, you know, that's where our real jobs are that actually make money. So go over to Bro. What we just go discussed actually is the most ancient we've ever sounded on this show. We're pretty old. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm old. Uh, you're getting up there. Yeah, I have two kids, so I'm I'm preemptively old. Yeah, you that adds years for yeah. sure. Um, we also have uh, there's a little app on your <coughs> your iPhone called uh, Apple Podcasts. And for whatever reason, it's super important to us growing the show. But that's how we listen to the shows. Uh, but you can go over there, follow us. That means subscribe essentially to the podcast of champions, and most importantly, rate us uh, with five star review. And uh, the review can be anything that's funny. Uh, you know, make fun of us, whatever you want to do, but we just need those five stars. It can be literally anything. Yeah. Yeah. It could be like a menu. It could be um, <laughs> lyrics to a bad song. We don't care. Mm. We're not particular. For like the level of our, like our five-star reviews are higher than our, like we're, we're uh, out kicking our coverage as far as like the, the quality of our show versus the number of five-star reviews we get. So we yeah. want to keep that going. Yeah, yeah. The ruse. Yeah, we're good. Now, was there a period of time where we offered gift cards in exchange for five-star reviews? Yes. We did. Is that against the terms of service? Probably true. Do we care? <laughs> Not a little we bit. We could probably do it again. Yeah. Do we have any new ones? Uh, yeah, we've got one from Frank, oh. still in Sacramento. Okay. Uh, hey, five stars, retired insurance man. This is pretty good podcast. Uh, this podcast is not bad, don't you know, for crying out loud. I moved to California from Minnesota back there in 92. I went to the university there, no lie. My wife went to the University of Iowa, geez. So we know from living there that SC and UCLA will do good in the Big Ten. For criminy's sake, I remember when Penn State moved into the conference in the last century and made it to the Big 11. Go Trojans and Bruins. Wow. Did he request uh, you read it in a... I mean, he wrote Irish it. He, he he wrote it in kind of a Minnesota thing, and I, that was my best attempt. At that like sounded a, more Irish than Minnesota. I was trying to do Minnesota. Oh but my god, it, I, that was a struggle, man. That is terrible. Yeah. Well, uh, what are you gonna do? I haven't watched Fargo in a while. Minnesota. Oh, I'm so sorry. Your accent was so bad. That's way better than dude. Yours. That was horrible. <laughs> that's way better than yours. That was good <laughs> god. Yeah, and that's it was bad and significantly better than yours. Wow, we need to do a, a poll here. Yeah, we put a poll in the... Uh, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> oh, you betcha. <laughs> oh, you betcha. <laughs> uh, wow, we got a bunch of people in the chat. Thanks for uh, being in the chat. We didn't mention that. We are, as Dave doesn't like to say, simulcasting on our YouTube channel, which we're getting up there. We got to get the 1,000 subs, so please get us up there. Are we getting it up there? Because there have been three editions since the beginning of the show last week. All right, well, let's work. we're getting towards that number. I mean, we're working up there. Uh, but smash the like button. We got a bunch of people, I think, was there like 34 people in right now? Smash it. You got to get the likes. And, Smash uh, it. That little bell, it'll notify you when we put a new video up or we go live, anything like that. So you can do that for the notifications. But if you're not a subscriber, please do. It's free. Get in there. Subscribe. And uh, yeah, once we get to 1,000, I don't know. I think the world blows up or something. So yeah, probably true. Be good. Uh, yeah. Well, we got a fun show today because we got to talk. Pretty much the end of spring football. I I don't know this at all, and I don't know if if Chip Kelly's keeping all of this a secret, but let's do this. Let's do this right at the top. UCLA Bruins. What is going on with UCLA spring football? Is it over? Is it going to be over? Is there a spring game? Where are we? <clears throat> it's not over. Still going. It's going to be over. Okay. On Friday. And there will be no spring game. Okay. No spring showcase. No spring game. No nothing. Hmm. 
Just 15 straight practices. It's glorious. So he was going for the excitement factor. Yeah. Well, if you remember, the, so I think people like it's this eternal sunshine thing because they had a spring showcase last year. And if you remember, it was one of the most dreadful experiences of everyone's life. Uh, it was a Saturday where they still had the spring game at 845 in the morning. <laughs> so if you were a family with young kids who wanted to go get autographs and all that thing, you had to get your ass to UCLA by like 830. Yeah. And it was literally just a televised practice. There was nothing about it that was remotely spring game. There wasn't even an extended scrimmage period. It was literally just a practice. There was an extended extra period of special teams that they don't even normally do. Just to just to make just it to like, even more boring eh. and awful. Yeah. So if the alternative is that, I mean, yeah, I mean, just do 15 practices and don't televise any of it and don't get fans out there because I think it it's more disappointing if you're say you're like a, a parent of some kids and you're trying to indoctrinate them in the things you like so that they'll do the things you like when they're older uh, and you bring them to that I mean you're not even enjoying it <laughs> certainly no like five-year-olds enjoying that it's no. dreadful and then you maybe have the autograph session at the end but they will have had to sit through you know two and a half hours of pretty hot uh, you know weather at Drake Stadium watching a terrible practice so if that's the alternative. Now, if if somebody w- with their druthers could force Chip Kelly to run an actual, like, I don't know, enjoyable to watch practice, like a scrimmage, ha, ha, ha. that would be something. Right. But if you're not going to do that, if you're just going to let him do whatever he wants on TV, just don't do it. You're, I know you're not an NBA guy or whatever, but I watch a lot. I love the TNT coverage. I love Charles and Shaq and all those guys. And, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I like going to Laker games, but I like watching the playoffs. Just playoffs are kind of fun. And uh, they they'll interview one of the head coaches at the end of the first quarter or the end of the third quarter, and it's sort of like it's two questions, and the the guys usually have their head down, and it's just they do not want to be there. They know it's like in their contract for the TV thing or whatever. It's like basically have to. Some people will be like give some insight, and other people people are like they just give this really quick answers. You could tell like. This is the last thing in the world I want to be doing. I think this is dumb. I don't want to do it. And I felt like last year, maybe that was Chip Kelly was just like, hey, we have to put this on TV. Okay, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do an early morning practice, and it's just going to be a practice. And if you want to film it, that's fine, but I ain't going to change anything. And then this year, they're sort of like, oh, you're not going to do anything for the spring game? Like, all right, we'll just stop. And that's kind of the feeling I get. If that makes yeah, sense. no, I think that's exactly what's happened. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... You know, because that's, <clears throat> I mean, as much as the Pac-12 network is probably desperate for content, and the thing is, he may have just said, we're not going to deviate, so if you can film it at Spalding Field, then you can do it, but otherwise, no. And it's probably harder to film at Spalding Field than it is to do so at like, uh... Drake. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But, uh, yeah, it's no spring game, um, which, uh, for my purposes, it's preferable, Um First of all, spring games, earmuffs, Ryan, earmuffs, earmuffs. Okay, thank you. Spring games are stupid and worthless. Um, and then I took them off too quick. <laughs> you took them off too quick. <laughs> uh, and the way UCLA did it is also bad. All right. Uh, Ryan Hawkins says he can't find the like button, but now he says I found it. So I'm so happy. We have for very Ryan. smart listeners. Yes, um, we do. Observant uh, fellows. Ernesto says uh, we need Dave on Discord. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know. 24-hour access to David Wright. We're old. We don't know these things. Um, and then uh, 
Chris says, uh, which what Disney princess is Coach Prime? I guess we've never did Coach Prime mm. as a Disney princess. Um, Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, okay, like so biggest... he kind of had it made in his own little kingdom, but longed for more. So Ariel. Okay. You know, and now he's a little bit of a fish out of water. No, maybe. Well, wait, maybe that's that's too early. We're not there Who yet. Who's the biggest like prima donna like? Mm. Disney princess, like, Ooh. just the most swagger. Who had the like? Who had the most swagger? I mean, uh, Jasmine has some swagger, but she's kind of like not a heroine. She's like an object of the hero, so that doesn't make a ton of sense. Because he's, you know, I mean, he's the uh, he's the uh, the straw straw that stirs the drink. Yes, of his particular. He's not let's, like looking for a prince. He's right. the prince. Yeah, all right. Let's 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 go through this. Hang on. All right. So we've got what are the frozen ones? Ariel makes sense, I think, to some extent. Uh Jasmine doesn't really make sense. Tiana mm, doesn't really make sense. Uh Rapunzel. There's too much of a no that she needed. She's like a saving. shutaway. She needed and, saving. It, well, she's like a shutaway who's like shy, you know? Yeah. No, that's not him. That's not him. Uh Belle. No. What what about like one of the frozen ones? Like Well, Elsa, so Elsa's uh Who's like the badass one? So Elsa's the one who can command uh the 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 snow and ice and all that kind of stuff, but she's again, like her whole thing is that she's shut away for a long time and then comes yeah. out of her shell, the whole thing. They don't really have a great story for what's going on here. Well, he's a pretty unique character, so maybe Mulan. Okay. Maybe Mulan, you know, is kind of a badass, you know, trying to, you know, do some things. I don't know. I think Ariel probably makes the most sense, but it only works if, you know, uh, he he runs into some initial struggles. Gotcha. Um, Which we'll see. Yeah. So but I would, say, I would say I would say Deion Sanders is uh, closest to Ariel right. from uh, The Little Mermaid. Well, so anyone in the chat, like I just put up a few of your comments up on the screen if you're watching live on YouTube. So uh, we try to do that throughout the show. So I'll, if I'm looking to the side, I'm checking out what you guys are putting in the chat. And if it's something funny or a question or whatever, I'll put it up there. If you do have a question, I'll try to start and we'll get it to we'll get to it later. Uh, so no spring game for UCLA. We did have one more spring game, though. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> Bo Nix and company, uh, David, they had 45,000 at Austin Stadium. Uh, apparently a pretty cool environment uh, for the Ducks. I don't know what the betting I, – I think I got in at yellow plus three and a half, so I just snuck this one through. Green beat yellow 23-20. The halftime betting wasn't working for some reason. I don't know why that wasn't live. Yeah, but yeah that sucks. It was rough, uh, but yeah, it was more of a defensive game. Um, the first quarter, nobody scored, so that's what you want in a spring game. 45,000 people there, no points in the first quarter. That's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, you know, you got Land Danning, you got defensive coach, uh, things like that, and there's just five total touchdowns, and two of them were in the final minute of regulation, so they saved kind of the best for last. Uh, Bo Nix did have a touchdown run with a minute left, and that was the, uh, the clincher, but didn't cover the spread, so I was very happy about that. Um, pretty cool. It was a clear skies, warm afternoon. So it was a nice day. You know, having that many people out for a spring game is awesome. Uh, Bo Nix was 19 of 40 for 193 yards. He had a passing touchdown and rushing touchdown and Ty Thompson apparently looked good. He started slow, but he had 274 yards, 16 of 34 passing 
He had two touchdowns. Um, Tez Johnson from uh, Troy had a 62-yard touchdown reception. A little short pass. He outran everybody. Uh, He's one of those people that um, I think a lot of uh, Ducks fans are excited uh, to see. One of the transfers they're excited to see. But, you know, mostly a defensive day. What was your thoughts watching the game? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What I will uh, uh, postulate here is Uh uh, there are going to be some growing pains with this offense. I mean, no Kenny Dillingham, right? No Denny Killingham. Denny Denny, Killingham is gone. Denny Killingham is gone. Uh, There's, you know. You're the one that says don't read much into the spring game, but that's a thought when he leaves and the familiar, you know, being familiar with Bo Nix. Um, yeah, what's that going to be like? People are excited about Ty Thompson too for the future, but um, there's no quarterback controversy. What are we talking about here? Ducks fans. Ty Thompson has been there for what, like four years now? Yeah, man, they're excited. The future? He's the future. What's the future? <laughs> People tweet at me about him. Uh, yeah. Well, I think Bo Nix is still going to have a big year. Will it be? I mean, it's funny because you got uh, Michael Penix there too, and like which one? You know, who's going to have the better year? Like Washington. We'll get to the draft stuff. Not a single player drafted from Washington. Like they got a lot of dudes coming back. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, but I, you know, I I feel like they're going to figure it out there. So, uh, but. You know, how big of a year does Bo Nix have? I mean, to see, I know there's no divisions, but who's going to come out on top, the Washington or the Oregons, you know, in, in this year? I think that'll be uh, interesting. But what is, um, yeah, the future of this offense? It seemed to struggle a little bit, at least early here. You know, spring game, you don't read much into it, but that it's def- definitely something to watch uh, through fall. Yeah. You know, before the games come. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, uh, that's that's the extent of what I would take from what you said. Is maybe, maybe but from your thoughts of watching the game? Like what oh, from watching it, um, <laughs> that's a whole different story. What, yes. what time? What game was? What day was this on? This was Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. Um, I did not watch. I was watching my daughter's softball game. I can give you my thoughts on that. Okay. Um, so she's in <laughs> she's in the six U level. Oh yeah, that's very competitive. Uh, well, no, so it, it's not. Um, and what they're doing, <laughs> and here's the funny thing. So like. She's she's not bad actually, um, which is shocking. Despite her dad, yeah, she's shocking. She's not bad. Um, she can field, she can throw, can't really hit, but nobody really can at that age. Um, but she even recognizes that what they're doing out there is not a real game. Like it's not a real sport because what they're doing is the entire team bats every single inning. Oh, the entire yeah, yeah. team goes through that age, yeah. and there are no outs. So everyone gets to run the bases and go around, and the last person to hit is the home run hitter. So no matter where everybody that ball runs. goes, everyone continues to run around the bases. Right. And she was like, this is kind of boring. Uh, this isn't a real game. So if like, you get the ball, throw it to first. Yeah. You simulate like you just got the person out. Right. But they still run to first. Right. Right. Exactly. They could be like halfway there, and you already got the ball, and the first baseman's like putting it back to the pitcher or whatever. I guess you don't have a pitcher. Or maybe it's the coach that pitches. Correct. Yeah. And so then the, the person's the coach, still running to first base. Yeah. So the coach pitches, and then if you miss like three or four in a row, you get the T. And then you hit off uh, the T. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like this is the level where like the outfielders are playing in like the middle of the dirt in the infield. Like it's, you know, they're not hitting it very hard. Uh, 
but I'm also like, I don't know. I've got warring thoughts on it. Do you play a real game or do you do it like this because they have to learn the rules somehow and they have to start pretty young if they're going to actually want to do this? So, but it also is very boring. I can imagine it being extremely boring to play. My daughter is out there like dancing in the middle of uh, the pitching because uh, none of the girls on the other team can hit at all. And so she's like, oh, they're not going to hit it. So I'm going to throw my glove in the air and do some, you know, grooving out here. So is there a parallel to spring games? Are you trying to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're saying that do you really do a real game or do you do this to like right get a feel for what real football would be like but don't exactly don't really play real football exactly oh. that's where I was bringing it to I was bringing it together <laughs> I'm glad because I don't know you're like oh my daughter's softball game oh great yeah people are gonna love that uh, we're gonna talk about the draft you want to talk about that I'd love to did talk you watch about the any draft. of the draft not a bit not a single bit uh no. I won't say that. I watched about five minutes of the second day. Five minutes, second day. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was watching. Actually, I was driving back uh, from the desert on Thursday, and I was kind of watching in the car. Oh, that's where you were on vacation. Not vacation. Most recently. Someone has a vacation. No, I, that, it was like a little work thing out there. But Oh, yeah, out in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I run a was it, were you murder, murdering somebody and throwing I them was... in a shallow grave? <laughs> Big meth delivery. Um, <laughs> I had to make it make make some deadlines. Yeah, uh, yeah. The NFL draft happened. Um, I am like losing my voice here. Hold on, let me. Uh, you want to you want to talk about? So the NFL bit? draft happened. Everyone, there were three days of it. Uh, a bunch of people made it into a spectacle as they always do. Oh my god, some big spectacle crap. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a ridiculous exercise, but it makes everyone happy to follow it. So I'm all for uh, your happiness, and I don't want to dump all over it. Uh, but it's all kind of a silly thing. Um, and uh, a bunch of people were selected. They all got happy. A bunch of people were selected later than they thought, and they were not un- as happy. Yeah. Um, a bunch of people were unexpectedly not selected. A bunch of people were unexpectedly selected. Um, all of them were varying degrees of happy or unhappy. <laughs> the uh, I don't like mock drafts. You know, I, I'm just not a big fan of. It just seems like a uh, exercise so, uh, of futility. No, no, so hang on, hang on. I love a good mock draft and a good mock bracketology and a good mock whatever. What I don't love is the mock draft industry. Uh yeah. The sheer number, the quantity. Um, there seems to be absolutely no value for expertise in this field. Uh, it seems like any, any absolute moron on Twitter creates a mock draft and then right. they're cited. Uh, so it's, it's yet another thing where, uh, you know, the, the, uh, immediate availability of everyone's, uh, bullshit, stupid opinion is probably not the best thing. And I realize the irony of that statement, you're listening to my opinions. Um, but the immediate availability of all that stuff just makes it kind of stupid, but a good mock draft is great. You know, it's fun to look at that from somebody who actually knows something and, you know, can, can put it out there and and have some uh you know some actual wherewithal and juice behind it it's just not as fun when you're reading you know joe idiot with like 2500 followers on twitter's mock draft and people are citing it as if it's a real thing well there's there's some parallels to us and yeah. the mock drafts because like okay so who are the like the mel kuypers of the world and then who's the other guy the uh i forget his name like uh, they, todd mcshay todd mcshay and then they make like a rivalry between these two and it's just like so fabricated and it's terrible yep. but they suck right they're not good at it um and Kuiper's so, better than mcshay mcshay's fucking horrible yeah so with the fact that they're not that good 
sprouts up all these other people that, well, they suck. I could do this. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of like with us, like there was the you know, Pac-12 podcast. We create one. And they're like, wow, those guys are terrible. We could do one too. So now there's a whole bunch of Pac-12 podcasts. That's too. true. So that's I true. think there's we, some parallels. We have uh, provided a jumping off point for much better uh, productions <laughs> and shows. Um, the uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it, the mock draft thing. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think uh, – I think NBA Twitter is actually way worse about this. Like the NBA people who all think that they have like some ability to evaluate basketball players is probably oh. even crazier because it's I a like zero interest in that. Well, it's a it's a smaller quantity of uh, available players, so right. everyone like is like, oh, I've watched a lot of film of this small forward. I'm like, no, you haven't. <laughs> Like, no, you've watched the same highlights everyone else has, and you're developing these opinions that you're, like, microwaving three times from somebody else that you read. Yeah. Like, come on. Get out of here. That's uh, crazy. Uh, yeah, that like, but the Will Levis stuff where it just seems like Isn't that it was... Levis? No, it's Levis. Everyone's been saying Levis. Uh, it's not Levis? No. Everyone creates this thing that's like, oh, he could be a I'm first I'm going to go with pick. Levis or Levi's. Will Levi's. Will Levi's. Uh, apparently... Speaking of Reddit, like there was like a Reddit post from someone with like four numbers at the end of their name that said something about him that Carolina really liked him. And he became like a betting favorite to go number one. And it, the only source was essentially some random Reddit post that the person deleted their account. Uh, crazy. Like that's how insane this stuff is. And the poor guy gets invited to the green room. He's sitting there and uh, doesn't get picked in the first round at all. So. Um, stuff like that, I feel like they make it, you kind of try to fabricate these things and maybe it's because you had some Kentucky games on your ESPN broadcast. I don't know. I'm not sure. Whatever. Uh, I love Daniel Jeremiah. Um, I, but I didn't, I should have watched more NFL network coverage, but anyway, comes down to it. The SEC for like the billionth year in a row had the most picks. The big 10's catching up though. Uh, it's 62 for the SEC, 55 for the big 10 overall selections. Big drop-off. ACC is third of Power 5, 32. The Big 12, just behind them at 30. And the Pac-12, pulling up the rear, 27. Um, but way more than the AAC with 10. No, no. So this is bullshit. We did this last year, and I wish you would start doing this. It's the rate, because the ACC is the worst. ACC is the worst because they, they have, have 15 teams. 15 teams. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Or whatever they have. Well, I don't think they're counting Notre Dame in there. Okay. So 14 teams, but right. 14 is still worse. Yeah, the rate would be. Yeah. yeah. Just like overall selection. Yeah. Over, though. Yeah. Uh, BYU had three. That was good. Uh, for the for the Pac-12, do you know off the top of your head, if you're not looking at my doc, who had the most picks? Which team? Mm. Who would you think? Oregon? Oregon did. Hey, uh, oompa! Oregon had six. Now, could you guess the second? USC? No. Uh, UCLA? No, there were third and fourth, tied for third. Oh shit! Uh, oh my god, it was UCLA. Stan- it was Stanford, wasn't it? It was Stanford with five. <laughs> <laughs> so five picks, three wins. Like I don't know. <laughs> like I mean, they had as many, like one fewer pick this year than they had wins the last two years combined. So that, if that says anything about the David Shaw era, like you were second in the conference in. NFL picks, and you're just absolutely terrible. Well, some foolish team still made the mistake of drafting Tanner McKee. So, mm. you know, is that really David Shaw, or is that just uh, 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 teams still being fooled by 6-6? Yeah. 
Well, five five picks for Stanford, four for USC and UCLA. Utah had three, Oregon State with two. And then Cal, Washington State, and Arizona State each had one player selected. Um, Cal was like blowing it up on social media. They were like four, it was like literally like four years in a row, a, a defensive back selected from Cal. And it was just like, that was the only pick you guys had. Like, yeah. it's just, it was sometimes like the social media thing, you're really trying to spin it in like a cool way or whatever. And I just, I was like seeing like these NFL Cal tweets and I was just like, okay, you know, pump the brakes a little. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, and surprisingly Washington, uh, who won 11 games. No picks, uh, no no selection. So Arizona's kind of had a streak, I think. Like, just don't get people drafted. Uh, Colorado, obviously, just got awful. Uh, and then Washington's a surprising one because they just have a lot of guys back, you know? And that that's, uh, I mean, you got to be optimistic. Like, you want people selected, but you don't want, like, all your best guys gone. And uh, Washington doesn't, <laughs> hasn't had their best guys leave. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, the Arizona one is funny because Jed Fish had a tweet last year on the NFL draft, and I'm going to thank Chris Cartman for bringing this up and blowing it up, uh, where he said, uh, never again, essentially, for the uh, never, for not being, oh. for nobody being drafted from Arizona, and then literally, literally, the next draft, <laughs> once again, nobody drafted. Wow. Um, now, there's a flip side to that for Arizona fans, and that's uh, your team improved significantly and didn't lose anybody to the NFL. Problem is, you did lose some guys to transfer, um, who contributed to a, what was it, 5-17? Five, five and 17? I think they are 5-7. Yeah, yeah, so Dorian Singer, um, Keon Bars, uh, who's the other guy? That, Christian uh, Roland Wallace. Yeah. Um, so not so great there, but um, still, again, not not the same thing as Washington, but some reason for optimism that they didn't lose it. Yeah. anybody to the NFL from a team that had improved. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, so I think – we don't have to go over like where all the picks and stuff were. Um, oh, here we can. Some of the first rounders. You want me to? Here, I'll pull up some of the first rounders for you here, real quick. Oh yeah, thank so, you. So Christian Gonzalez uh, was the first player selected. Patriots. He should get. You should get. There should be a double credit for the Pac-12 for that one. They should actually have twenty-eight players drafted because uh, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he went seventeenth overall to the Pats. So they like him. Uh, USC's Jordan Addison, another transfer. Uh, he went 23rd to the Vikings. Um, so Justin Jefferson, he'll go there. Our buddy Dalton Kincaid uh, rounds out the thir- the first round picks yeah. uh, from Utah. He goes 25th to the Bills. So pretty cool. Um, Josh Allen. Uh, and another tight end, Luke Musgrave, went in the second round to the Packers, 42nd pick. Hey, Zach- you're burying the lead. What? Jack Coletto was signed to, I think, the Niners. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, baby. That's really cool. I'll just do the second round, too. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, UCLA, goes to the Seahawks. Pete Carroll, uh, he went the 52nd pick overall. Tuli Tuipelotu led the nation in sacks, a D defensive end from USC. He goes stays in L.A., goes to the Chargers with the uh, 54th pick. Um, and then, let's see, one, two, three, four. Four more players in the uh, third round. It's funny, Makai Blackman, D- Dave and I talked about this before, USC's corner. He went the third round to the Vikings. Both the the corners selected uh, in the first you know first two days of the NFL draft from the Pac-12 were Colorado players that transferred to other programs. So uh, that's that's good. Clark Phillips fell to the fourth round. Um, he went to the Falcons. Uh, one of the best defensive backs we've seen out there. Uh, DTR 
fifth round to the Browns. So that's kind of cool. Um, Kai, Blue, Kai Blue Kelly um, was a fifth round pick with the Ravens. Um, and Tanner McKee, you mentioned, he's a sixth round pick to the Eagles. So you can go back up Jalen Hurts or something. Um, that's a good fit. Yeah. Andrew Voorhees, who tore his ACL at the NFL Combine, goes in the seventh round. Um, where did he go? It was, uh, shit, where did let me find it. Oh, he went to the uh, Ravens, but he did the he like did the most bench press reps on one leg after he tore his ACL. So I think that kind of fired up a bunch of people. That's insane value for Voorhees because w- before the ACL, wasn't he going to be like probably top four rounds? They thought so because like uh, PFF always graded him as one of the highest guards in the country. You know, the highest whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, some of the notable players that got drafted. Anyone? No. Stand out to you? You like no. Coletto? No stuff. Uh, well, let's get to some really good stuff. Colorado Buffalo. Like, how do we not get an update from our boy, our man, the man that knows? I mean, is anyone happier than like Adam Munster Tiger? Like, we've we've gone over this before, but when you're in our industry, like, you could be the best reporter, get the most scoop, whatever. But if the team you cover not only sucks but is super boring. It's just, you're just not going to get the juice. So, so here's what's happened for Adam in the last six months. <laughs> he had a coach firing, which juices subscriptions. Boom. He had a coaching search, which juices subscriptions. They hired Deion Sanders, which juices subscriptions. Then he cut basically the entire goddamn <laughs> roster, which means there's a ton of recruiting to follow and a ton of recruiting news to follow, which juices subscriptions. Yeah. Every portal, I mean... Just Adam Munster Tiger is worth fifty million dollars now. <laughs> Remember us, Adam. Uh, but anyway, in your palatial estate, yes, in the uh, Boulder foothills. But yes, he's been tweeting. It's been insane. Um, we, you know, there was a bunch of cuts before the spring game. We covered the spring game. Guys that were like stars of the spring game were leaving, and then the numbers just kept coming out of how many guys were left and all that stuff. Adam has the latest update. Uh, he sent this either this morning or yesterday. So I know it was going crazy. The portal is closed. Uh, we're going to talk about the portal and stuff in a minute. But um, no more new entries into the portal. But you can still pick up players. So they're going to be picking up guys. But here's the update from Adam. There's some good stuff here. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Adam Mr. Tiger reporting from Boulder, Colorado. Crazy times happening here. I'm going to throw some numbers at you that are just bonkers. 50 scholarship players have transferred out of Colorado's program since the conclusion of the 2022 season. 19 others exhausted their eligibility last season. Four others transferred out last fall. So that leaves just 12 remaining scholarship players from Carl Durrell's 2022 season. That's all that's left. That's not just returning starters. We're talking about 12 returning scholarship players, period. It's uh, unprecedented times at CU and, and really, frankly, across Power 5 programs. You just haven't seen this type of roster turnover, even with that becoming more of the norm here in the transfer portal era. But, you know, if you've been paying attention to anything that Deion Sanders has said since coming to Colorado, he spelled this out. This was pretty clear. This was going to be a complete roster overhaul from a program that ranked dead last out of 131 FBS programs in scoring margin last season. So, you know, frankly, this roster turnover was needed. 
Colorado has 32 transfers that have already arrived or are committed. They also had 20 junior college or high, uh, high school additions in the 2023 class. So they've begun to reload at certain positions, quarterback, cornerback, safety, and receiver, despite the defections of Montana, Lamontius Craig, and Jordan Tyson to the portal. They already have more top-end talent at, at those four positions than we've seen in Boulder in quite some time. Now the challenge comes of really fortifying both the offense and defensive line and rounding out depth across the board. As the recording of this, this voicemail, the bus have 21 open scholarships to fill, so uh, a big task there. They, they find themselves in the market for a top tight end with Sebu Traore now out of the program, re-entering the portal after just a few months in Boulder. So it can be unsettling as a college football fan to see the type of roster turnover that's occurring in Boulder right now. You know, in many of these 2022 buffs, they were forced out, so that that can be tough to stomach. But this is the type of blueprint that Coach Prime used when he got to Jackson State, and, and this is what he said was going to happen in Boulder since the, the moment that he got hired. So the roster overhaul continues in Boulder. Reporting for BuffStampede.com, this is Adam Tiger. Thanks, guys. Insane. 12 guys remaining from last year's roster. 50 guys transfer, 19 exhausted eligibility, and then four transferred, like, in the fall. Like, Carl Durrell, like, <laughs> I mean, like, a new, new, uh, just a new precedent for a cupboard being bare. Like, like I don't, holy smokes. 12 dudes. You got 12 guys left, not 12 starters. Just 12 people. Georgia Georgia has like 16 starters back, you know, like from a nas- national yeah, championship yeah, team. Yeah. Colorado has 12 players. Well, like think about when I was talking mad shit about Chip Kelly's roster turnover his first two years. This this is – this blows that out of the water. Oh my god, it's not even It's it's not it's even in the sport. same conversation. Um it's a different sport. This is absolutely insane. It's going to be an entirely new roster. And nobody, literally nobody can say what this is going to look like. Like you just can't. I know both lines are pretty depleted and they need guys on both lines. Uh but also like they're going to have a lot more talent at skill positions. They're going to have a lot more talent at cornerback. But how would you even know what they're going to look like? I mean, yeah. they lost most of their offensive line from last year. I think it might be every single starter, actually. Um, it's just uh, there's no way of knowing what this is at all going to look like. Uh, Scott, in the chat, in fairness, he says, in fairness, who could have foreseen Carl Durrell being a <laughs> failure as a head coach? <laughs> great point. It's a great point. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was 35 and 27 at UCLA. Mm. He you, went to you know, he, he was, went to five straight bowl games. He was the wide receiver coach for the Denver Broncos. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, like, no, that, he, you know, that doesn't. He learned at the knee of Mike Shanahan. <laughs> All right, so uh, good. Uh, Ryan Hawkins says probably three wins this year. That's so. That's going to be the thing that a lot of guys were forced out. But I think when you do that, and he he did this at Jackson State, and it worked. But you could bring in a lot of like. Power five castaways. And I, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot harder to build this roster, build the lines, the depth you need to sustain, you know. So maybe this is a necessary evil that you go through 2023 and just get pounded. 
he wants to win right away, but I think with this kind of turnover, it's going to be really tough. You know, I don't, I don't know. I was more optimistic before when you thought there was like, get rid of a lot of guys, bring in some dudes. And, but when you have like Montana, Lamonius, Craig, and like those guys leaving, it's like, crap, those were like good players you could have kept from that roster. But there, it, this isn't going to be for everybody. So it's, it's tough. I I was more optimistic like two weeks ago of where this team could finish and games they could win. And now I don't know. Like it might be another. It's not going to be worse than one and eleven. Where no, no, no. The they're going to have a scoring pulse. margin in history. Or they're whatever. they're going to have a pulse. It's just yeah. the combination of the schedule. You know, I mean, they got to go at TCU. I mean, it's three uh, uh, FBS teams. There's no FCS. Um, they get Nebraska and Colorado State at home, but. It's it's not going to be super easy to be like a bull team this year. No, um, at Oregon and USC, your first two. Yeah, I was not anticipating them still having this much attrition after spring ball. Right. And I think that's that's the thing making me kind of pump the brakes because, look, I mean, there's guys you want to lose and then there's guys who are, uh, I, I don't know if it's self-defeating if you're trying to like just remove the stink of 1-11 or whatever, but... Um, you know, losing Montana Lamonius Craig, not great. Um, losing, you know, Nico Reed, not great. Losing literally every single offensive lineman, not great. Um, I think defensive linemen, too. They were yeah. down. They were down to like four or five, and then I think they've lost a few Yeah, and, and you can say these guys aren't good, but like experience plays a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, are you going to be able to replace – are you going to be able to replace that in the portal going into the summer? Because the – the portal's getting picked over now, um, right? And you know, not everyone is committed, so you can still pick up some guys. But the pickings are going to get slimmer and slimmer. You and, might be getting some guys that you just need, and they weren't as good as and, a dude you ran off. Maybe. And this was my point from last week: is you've got to start to be very judicious about what you're doing. Does this guy that I'm trying to run off have potential enough that he could be better than what I can still get in the portal? Um, and I think some of this is it's not. It's not like theatrics. Um, I don't think that's what it is, but I think it is the sense that, no, 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 we want to start completely fresh from that 1-11 team. And so even if we do throw the baby out with the bathwater, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they're doing. And if I was skeptical of it when Chip Kelly did it, I'm going to be skeptical of it when Deion Sanders is doing it. Um, you, That kind of roster turnover is never great. Um, it, it rare, I, I don't... First of all, this is unprecedented. So right. I'm saying that kind of roster turnover, there's never been this kind of roster turnover. But when you don't have any continuity with each other, especially on the offensive line, if you don't have any continuity with how you run routes and all that kind of stuff, at the very best, what you're getting is first year of a new coach with uh, you know a 40-person recruiting class coming in. And that's always growing pains. Um, yeah. And so the hope would be for Colorado fans – they're a lot better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning, and there's growth throughout the year. And I think that's what you—that's where your expectations should be set right now. Whatever it looks like, have it look better in the final three games of the year than it does in the first three. And I think with the front-loaded schedule, that's that's a possibility. We've both covered like you know major turnovers. Chip Kelly's was more of a gradual, like you're turning a. a you know, a battleship or something. You know, if the and, portal had existed when he came in, though, he would have. I think there would have been more immediate guys leaving. I don't think it would have looked exactly like this, but it would have been pretty similar. Yeah, and USC is for you know similar stuff. And the, yeah. there is a rule 
for first-year head coaches that you can essentially cut anyone you want. They protect the player by letting them, if they want to stay on scholarship, they can continue to go to school. Like, if they're just not that caliber of a player, of course, you can transfer somewhere else. But if they're like, you know what, football's not for me. I just was sort of happy to be at USC or UCLA or Colorado or whatever. I'm just going to stay in school, and the school will still pay for your scholarship. So you can stay. But the, the coach can get rid of the player so they don't count towards their 85 limit. And then the player can stay and keep going to school and be on full scholarship and everything. So that's that's kind of nice. For Lincoln Riley, he took over a 4-8 and team that still had a bunch of talent on it. Um, and they they you know basically cut guys, nowhere near this many, brought in a bunch of dudes, and were sort of able to keep like the continuity of what was there before and the new. And he, he sold it as, like, this is new for everybody. We got guys that were here. We got guys we brought in. We got guys from Oklahoma or whatever it was. And it sort of it became like this this thing where it just, um, it just worked. And actually, you know, the chemistry and stuff worked and the guys like Travis Dye coming in became like leaders, you know, um, this is different because the numbers are so much bigger and there's essentially nobody left, right? Like it's, you, it's like a band, everyone abandoned ship. And then some of the players you would have liked to have kept, uh, just were like, you know, I just can't do this. And, and it just be, it kind of was a tipping point. I think there was just too much. So, we don't, yeah, like you said, we've never seen this kind of roster turnover before. It's hard to imagine it working in year one, but that's what he wants to do. He wants to win right away. You know, um, Chip Kelly, if they, like you said, if they had the opportunity to make massive changes, he sort of did it over time and kind of took his lumps for the first few years and, and didn't have winning records. Lincoln Riley used it and they were able to get a winning record right away, um, you know, and, and win a whole bunch of games. I just don't know you can – this seems like a turnover to build for the future as opposed to win right away. Like maybe they can. Maybe they like have a pulse like you said. But I, I I was a little more optimistic after the spring game. But, man, it's just so different now. I don't know if you can put you know enough guys on the line even just to be competitive throughout a 12-game season. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, all right. Well, we'll see. But thank you, Adam Munster-Tiger. Great job. On the update there, the portal did close uh, and seen some movement. I, I went through like the last few days. So it cl- so the portal was open from April 15th to April 30th. Doesn't mean players can't transfer anymore. It just means they can't enter the portal. A couple of stragglers because whatever. Yeah, but there's some guys that went in. I went through the list of the, the, the Pac-12 guys that went in there. And it was a bunch of guys that like played one game in their career. Um, Colorado had that tight end that transferred in from Arkansas State and he transferred out again. Um, you know, Cal had an offensive lineman, Jackson Brown that played in a game. Wasn't really a lot. Um, uh, Oregon's cornerback, uh, Avante Dicker, uh, Dickerson, he was a four-star prospect. He played 12 games in 2021, but only one last year. So he was maybe the one that had the most experience of guys that entered the portal. Yeah. So not a lot of of craziness, at least the last few days of the portal window being open. Micah Pittman, who was at Oregon, went to Florida State. He's now at Utah. So we've seen him kind of bounce around a little bit. Uh, there was a couple more commitments. UCLA picked up somebody, right? Like, there's been a few. Yeah, UCLA lately. picked up uh, Colorado offensive lineman Jake Wiley just yesterday. Um, so that was one of those starting guys uh, from the offensive line for Colorado last year who was <laughs> encouraged to move on. Um, 
and you know it wasn't a good offense for Colorado uh and it wasn't a good offensive line but UCLA was in desperate need of some experience and some ability to start on the offensive line so Wiley provides that yeah um USC picked up I'm blanking on the dude's name uh the guy there was a offensive lineman that was very uh highly coveted from Wyoming um and USC let me pull up his name real quick uh Emmanuel Pregnon um so yeah UCLA was in the market for him too so he apparently had a whole bunch of offers uh like big dude so yeah not I thought USC might have some more attrition they lost like Earl Barquette who was a TCU defensive line transfer didn't do much but they picked up two big names Bear Alexander from Georgia and then uh Pregnant from uh, Wyoming, like a big, they needed some, some line help. Um, see what Colorado can do. I mean, I think there's still some linemen are harder to get out of the portal, right? Like it's just harder. There's not as many big, strong, fast guys. And linemen I think are hard to get. So everything that you know about high school recruiting, only more so in the portal, right? Um, because it's not just, oh, we're recruiting for defensive line on the West coast and it's hard, but you're also, recruiting on defensive line among experienced defensive linemen who are going to be targeted by basically everyone because everybody in the country wants to upgrade on the defensive and offensive lines, Yeah, even the best teams. Um, so it's, uh, and uh, I think NIL collectives, especially in this new era, are much more likely to spend on transfers than they are on uh, high school recruits. Like it, the, the quantities of money are going to be significantly more because they're proven commodities. And it's very, you know, you talk to coaches and one of the things they say is like, you recruit a high school player for like two years. Like you recruit a portal guy for like two, three weeks. Like yeah. it's, it's like instant gratification. You're like, you, you know, you could like. Assistant. So the coaches are lazy. They don't, <laughs> nobody, like even when they say in interviews, oh, I love recruiting. I love competing. Like all those USC idiots from time and memorial. <laughs> none of them actually do. Like, they, like the only ones who do are like the true psychos like Tosh. Like Tosh might actually enjoy right. it. Everyone else, it's like, this is a chore. This sucks. I don't like sucking up to 16-year-olds. So if there's a path of least resistance where you can just... Like, if you are a, a coach at, like, USC or one of the SEC programs or somebody else with, like, a big NIL collective, it's never been easier. Never, ever, ever. You can just say, okay, I got to talk to this guy for, like, a week, get him on campus, and then he's going to commit because he wants to find a spot before spring ball? Yeah. Woohoo! Let's do it! Uh, and why would you ever recruit a 16 year old if they're, if you're at those schools? It's like the pandemic, uh, game scheduling. Like, Oh, this game's canceled. Oh, do you want to, Hey Cal, do you, uh, you want to play? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's play. Um, it's, you can do it fast. Like it doesn't have to be drawn out. Um, well, like forever. Jake Wiley from Colorado. Uh, so he's an offensive lineman with starting experience in the portal. Probably had some, I, I don't really know. I don't know if he had a ton of other offers, but it got done in like six days, like six days was all UCLA had to do to get that guy on uh, yeah. committed and there might have been some i don't want to say tampering but you know sometimes oh yeah before. i mean there's always shenanigans but uh <laughs> but from like start to finish of the actual recruitment it's like a week yeah it's not bad yeah. uh chris hummer does a great job covering the portal stuff for 24 7 sports so uh it opened back in 2018 2019 back then it was a little over 1700 players it actually dropped the next year to just under 1700 then in 2020, 2021 pandemic, you know, things started to really heat up. Uh, 2,647 players went in. Then the previous, the next year, 3,000, it went over 3,000, 3,083. And then this last cycle, 2022, 2023, 3,252 players uh, in the portal. So um, it's going up and up. There's a lot of guys that just 
don't end up anywhere, which kind of sucks, but um, we're seeing it more often. And every once in a while, like you kind of have to feel happy because you're, you're whoever the team you follow, uh, you know, you're Chip Kelly or you're, um, you know, Jake Dickert at Washington state. And you're looking at the end. You're like, Oh, we had Trey Horner go in. That's not too bad. Like, okay. He played one game wide receiver. You go like Michigan state and you're like, Oh, you lose like your best wide receiver, your starting quarterback, your best uh, defensive back, like all in the last day or two of the portal. And it's like, Whoa, like that can happen, you know? So it's sort of like when the portal window closes, that's why I was kind of checking the PAC 12. Did anyone, was there any kind of mass exodus out of a team that you'd expect outside of Colorado, obviously. Um, and it didn't happen, but like places like Michigan state, you don't know what's going on. Like something happens. just like, why are three of their best players just leave at the last second? So that's always something you kind of have to watch in these, these windows and the window's not open now until December 4th. So, not till after the season, grad transfers can go, uh, and if a coach gets fired, um, you can leave. Like players can leave for like thirty days or something. But the portal, this window was like kind of it until after the season. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, the, the athletic their story on Colorado cuts, but we think we got enough updates from that. And did you see this? Um, uh, so Wilner reported about. Uh, Pac-12 football officiating uh, faces uncertainty in 2023. So some of the top referees from the Pac-12 have left and gone to the Big Ten. And uh, the article kind of goes on to the Pac-12 still is the only Power Five conference that doesn't have uh, like a partner from the group of five where you would sort of like have a minor leagues for your officials to kind of build up. Um, And, you know, obviously the officiating has been an issue. And I think... I. You know what's weird? It's just, it seems like there's like some hidden thing. When I, you know, when George Klyovkov came in and we got to talk to him and I, I I was impressed, you know, I thought all the problems that the, the conference was having, I think he was like open to addressing them, except for the officiating. That, that's the one he seemed to push back on. And it's, I don't know what it is. It just seems like maybe somebody has like <laughs> some, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is, but it just seems to be like, yeah, you know, we need officiating fixes. We're not going to have like a, a minor leagues of officiating. Like we're not going to do it that way. Well, everyone else does, and it seems to work a lot better for them than it does for you. But for whatever reason, they don't do that. But uh, yeah, I think um, uh, the, unless you uh, watch a significant number of Pac-12 games and you compare them to like a decent number of uh, other conference games, which is like really the only only the province of sickos, um, the the end result, I think, for a guy like Klyavkov, who probably didn't watch a ton of games, is like, oh, this is a perception issue rather than an actual issue. Right. Um, and I Which think that's bull. that's the drum that he's been banging. I think he's been banging it both on and off the record with various Pac-12 reporters and whatnot. Um, and the problem is it doesn't pass anyone who's actually watching the games to a significant extent p- smell test. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's... And if you did come in as like a little bit of a neophyte, like you don't really know, um, then you might say that. Um, And because the Pac-12, I think what it runs into is a lack of. um, It's hard to describe what what's exactly wrong with Pac-12 officiating because they do get a lot of calls wrong. They also call a lot of calls like they make a lot of calls. Um, And there's many, many years where the Pac-12 uh, leads the country in number of flags um, thrown per game. 
And it's like there's this um, cultural issue at play where it's, um, oh, we know the rules and we're going to abide by the rules and we're going to be letter of the rules and all that kind of stuff. And that needed to be de-emphasized at some point because um, you can find a reason to call a lot of things throughout a game if you really want to mess up the flow of the game. Uh, but those kinds of game-breaking things can't happen all the time constantly or else people are going to you know, start casting aspersions on the product. And I think for Klyavkov, it was a misstep where he was like, well, no, this is a perception issue, not a real issue. Yeah. Um, now, losing a bunch of officials from that culture, maybe not the worst thing. I mean, I know we're talking about expertise. Probably the and, best ones, though. Well, Plus, Mothershed retired. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about, um, you know, again, it's like a bunch of guys transferring out of Colorado. Is that is that the worst thing in the world? True, yeah. Or does it open you up to... You know, maybe you get some guys who are like, oh, I've I've refed some high school games and I'm pretty good at it. So I want to take a step up to the big leagues and I'm going to be, you know, whatever. I mean, my estimation of what's going on with the Pac-12, because it seems like every official does pretty much the same thing, which is call too many penalties. Maybe it's a cultural shift that's needed. And then if you clean out four, four of these guys, three or four of these guys, maybe that cultural change can happen. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we take a break and we'll come back and do some questions back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Got some emails. Our buddy uh, John and Brea wrote in. Dearest Dave and Ryan, it's been several fortnights since I last wrote, and I apologize. Maybe uh, you both can take a page from Denny Killingham's book and admonish your listeners for not sending in emails during the spring. Come on, POC listeners. We're trying to build something here. Really. Denny, you're going to gripe about spring game attendance? Getting 5,000 ASU fans to show up for anything that doesn't involve 10-cent chicken wings and bottomless margaritas should be considered a resounding show of support. As you built a modern educational industry out of convincing people, they don't need to show up. So please stop scolding us and get to work building a program that will make the online diploma mill community proud. Wow. Sick burns. <laughs> as a graduate, too. Uh, right. <laughs> I admire your ability to recap all the spring games with the same in-depth analysis we've come to expect during the regular season. I missed the Colorado game when it was televised live, but your recap of it has inspired me to pre-order the game on Laserdisc, <laughs> set to be released this July. As for the NCAA and their, if it isn't broken, don't fix it approach to the nope, rules. Nope, nope. 
What? Read it again. Oh, if it if, if it isn't broken, break it. Approach to the rules. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> I look forward to the first game of the season this year, when the first replay review takes ten minutes. This is the beginning <laughs> of the end. Now, if you excuse me, our rest up break is over, and I must get back on a Greyhound bus as I'm returning home to attend the U of A red and blue spring game. And yes, my favorite part of the game was when the PA announcer told the crowd, the red team will be wearing white. (laughs) I look forward to the summer and Ryan's 20 part series on each team's player run practices. Uh, Where are the Disney princesses when we need them? Stay real, John and Brea. Thank you, John. Uh, I think uh, lightly casting derision on all of uh, Ryan's uh, um, uh, spring game recaps is perfect and beautiful. Mm, Thank you very much. It was nice. Okay, next up we have Coach B. You needy dogs. What up, my dudes? Here is your shitty listener email since you can't produce content without us. Smash or pass Pac-12 coaches. But actually, I love the Denny K hire, but I haven't been doing this long enough to have a good prediction. I thought Scott Frost was great at Nebraska for similar reasons, but it didn't work. Do you take the over or under half one of one half firings at Denny K succeeding at ASU? Let success be defined as he makes it to year five with an overall record above 500, one push for the Pac-12 title, championship game not required, thank UCLA last year, two-plus bowl wins, keep uh, five-plus top 247 Arizona recruits home, or one-plus Arizona five-star recruit home, and one-plus contract extension separate from the end-of-contract renewal. Okay. All right. So like a lot of math there. No. So what he's asking is basically, will they keep Denny Killingham uh, past uh, a fifth year? If and if not, well, he've had enough success that he gets another job that's good somewhere else. So let's look at what ASU has done historically, because okay. Herm Edwards got four and a half years being pretty poor. He did. Todd Graham got six years. Dennis Erickson got five full years. Uh, Dirk Cutter got six years. Bruce Snyder got like a million years. Larry Marmy got four years. Anyway. Uh, I think them getting uh, uh, um, five years for uh, an alum, I think that's pretty likely. I think now will he be successful in those five years is the question. So here's the thing: I'm going to go the whatever the over is or whatever. Like like uh, he's young; he's the youngest coach in college football. There's enthusiasm there. I think I think he can get to five years, and I think he can have some success. And I don't think you're worried about him being poached because he is an alum. And I feel like the only way he would get, I mean, he would have to have like tremendous success. I don't think like what you're kind of lying out here is going to some bowl games or getting some local recruits to stay home and stuff like, and it was Auburn call down the road or whatever, something like that. But I think that, you know, the fact that he's young, he's where, I think he's where he wants to be. And I think sometimes on the West coast, we need, to get coaches like that, that are, it's going to be really hard to drag them away. You know, um, it's it's not like uh, Mario Cristobal, who's like good at Oregon, but like his home is really going to be Miami. And if that they need, you know, they're going to get called there or whatever. I think with Dillingham, there's a good or Killingham, there's a really good chance he would stay, and I think there's a good good enough chance that he would succeed. So yeah, I think he's going to be there a while. Cool. That would be my guess. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, let's. Uh, Paul from Webfoot, Colorado scholarship count. Hello, champions. Is there any chance that Coach Sanders thinks college football has the same roster limits as the NFL and his staff have been afraid of correcting him? Or maybe they have corrected him, but he just doesn't believe them. Keep up the good work. 
And please uh, bring us with you to the Big Ten, Paul Webfoot. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are going to be interesting. I mean, how many more can they actually add in the summer months? Because they have 21 to fill, right? So they're at 64, is what Munster Tiger said? I believe that's, yeah, they still have a lot more. There's yeah. a lot of room. They so, didn't have room before. Like, now they have room. Like, they, got, they were, like, over the 85. Yeah, like, they got a like, ton of room now. But there's not 21 dudes you want on the team for next year. So how many are you actually going to add? Yeah. I mean, I think you need to be at like 75 to feel like you have a enough depth for a yeah. season. Uh, we we have one last email, but I want to play this voicemail because it's a Colorado thing too. And then uh, I'll let you prep for the uh, the final one. Here you go. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, I would imagine you guys have already uh, addressed it, but if not, um, I was kind of curious with all the controversy and news coming out of the Colorado program with how Deion Sanders is. Um, investment transfers and kind of clearing through the roster. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. And also, um, if you guys think that we're going to see more of that, or if you think the outrage and kind of public outcry of it has gotten to the point where you think you'll see lots of it moving forward. Thanks, guys. I, I less, think, less of it from them? From from Colorado? Maybe just in general in college football. I, I think this is, is really unique. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're going to see – big roster turnover going forward. It might depend on how well this does, but the combination of being one of the worst college football teams we've ever seen, like the, you know, Monster Tiger said last in scoring margin. Yeah. Like they were getting blown out. It wasn't just one eleven and it was a miracle that they won that Cal game. And then hiring someone with as much juice as a guy as Coach Prime, who's done this at the the lower level. I think it's sort of a it's a, it's almost like a perfect storm. So I don't know if you would see this much ever again. But if it's successful, I think you might see more. Like USC sort of like took the roster turnover thing and did a lot where you thought, wow, that's a lot. And there's other programs that have done stuff like that too. But no, nothing's close to this. This is just in a, a league of its own. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Uh, this is this is rare. I don't think you're going to see something uh, as extreme as this again. Um, and I don't. But I don't. I don't think anything has been super negative yet. I mean, the athletic story was pretty. You know, I would say it was coded pretty negatively. But um, when they were basically interviewing, we didn't talk about it. But it was just they were interviewing the players that were leaving, and and a lot of the talk was like, "Yeah, he didn't know my name." You know, there was. I mean, it just like it felt like he yeah, came in so and didn't care about anybody that was there. I thought the I thought the reflection was poor on Dion. I yes. don't know that it was necessarily poor on the strategy because in the transfer portal era, where guys can pretty easily move and switch teams, it's a different deal than what it used to be. Um, and yeah, I think there still needs to be some changes. I think you know, obviously, the players need to get paid, um, like actual employees, um, but. As it stands, um, it, there's never been a better time to be a college football player, and that doesn't mean it's perfect and doesn't mean it's great, but there's never been a better time. Um, it's not as bad as it would be if it was you know, 10 years ago and trying to do this. You have a lot more power, right? And, and coaches now have to recruit the players that are on their team, and you can't. Yeah. Before, you might not have treated them as well because you knew it would be really hard for them to leave. Well, now it's not hard, so you probably have to treat them better. Um, I think Dion came in not caring if anybody left and, you know, there'd be some coaches that would be like, know the dude's name, like, Hey man, I'm going to write you a good letter of recommendation or I'm going to Dion wasn't doing any of that. He was just like, I don't care about you. I don't know who you are. And 
that's just sort of who he is, though, right? Like he's just like a no nonsense guy. Um, that's not no nonsense, though. That's being a dick. Um, he, like you do have. I, I don't think it reflected well on him. Like, no, personally, but that's I don't, him, though. I think. Yeah, yeah, and but I think that that sense of it, in like the sense that like was this a good reflection on Deion Sanders? No, but as a strategy, I mean, I think it's it's the way of it in a smaller scale at every school. Yeah. Um, and this is just big scale, but it's, it, the issue isn't the scale. It's treating players unfairly, you know, treating the people who are actually playing the sport unfairly. And were some guys treated unfairly here? Absolutely. Yes. Um, but they can find another spot. They can find another place to play. And if they don't want to find another place to play, Colorado can honor their scholarship and keep them, you know, in school and, them be officially cut because of the Deion Sanders, the new coach rule. Right. So uh, it's never been a bad time. It's never been a better time to be a player. But for Deion Sanders, I don't think this reflects well on him as a person. I mean, to not know the players' names when you are the coach, you're invested with a certain level of responsibility. Like, all these coaches talk all their bullshit about, like, you know, I'm I'm their father figure. There's a family. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. And to some extent, it's bullshit. But to some extent, it is like you do have a responsibility. You are the when you're the head coach of one of these guys on a football team, uh, aside from their literal parents, you are the adult who has the most uh, control, power, um, responsibility in that kid's relationship with the world. And to, to just be a dick and not even know their name, that's. That's not great. No, and it, so it doesn't take a lot to memorize eighty-five guys' names, or just be, have some compassion. And I yeah. get like, so if you're a CEO that gets brought in, taken over a company that's just absolutely failing, and these are all professionals. There's a bunch of people that probably weren't doing their jobs. They were golfing instead of working, and you walk in there and you're basically like, I'm going to basically cut all these people, and if they don't like the way I'm doing it. And, you know, they're, they're, I might cut some good people, but I don't care because if they can't handle this, like, I don't need right. them around, whatever. This is, a, you know, so he's sort of taking that attitude, but it's like, this is still a college campus and it's still like a college football program. How I, I get it. You have to be ruthless. You have to be go in and just cut a lot of dudes. Like, if you want to make this right, you need to be kind of a dick in some aspects. But there's also things where you might have kept like a Montana there's Craig, right? If if you were like sort of nice, you know, like, hey man, I'm sorry. I know your name. You're just not cut out to be here. So here's your options. Like I'm, you know, um, things like that. Like if he was just a little bit had a little bit more compassion, maybe a couple of those guys that you wanted to stick around would have stayed, you know. But it's just sort of this it was it's a very like kind of cutthroat approach. And I get it, you're trying to turn around one of the worst programs we've ever seen. But it's still college kids, you know, and so that that's where it's tough. It's like, man, you know, it's but it is a business and all that. It's a big business, and I guess we haven't treated it that way at the the player level. Um, no, but, but we don't treat it that way at, at a fundamental level at the player level, in that they are not they are still not paid. Like they right. can get NIL endorsements, but they are not paid employees. So treating them like an absolute like they're pieces of shit and you they're way beneath you is. That's that's messed up. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I I think it reflected poorly on Dion. I don't think it necessarily reflected poorly on um, uh, the strategy as a whole because I think there's a way to do it where there aren't as many hard feelings. Like, yeah, okay, I got to move on from Colorado, but 
I understand it. The coach helped me land a spot. You know, the support staff uh, called around to a bunch of whatever group of five programs, and I'm going to have a bunch of visits lined up. I'm feeling good. There's a difference between that and what is apparently happening here. Yeah. All right. We got one last email, I think. Uh, yeah, we've got one last email. This is from Thomas. We must protect this house. Dear Ryan and Dave, after listening to two podcasts in a row with no listener emails other than my own, I must admit I was a little sad to think that what I wrote was so hard to digest. Ryan gave a valiant attempt to understand it, but alas, it was a bridge too far. This time, I will attempt to write more simply. Ah. Dave's masterful rant on upcoming rule changes, both for consecutive timeouts and the running clock, made me realize something. The networks that signed the Big Ten TV deal don't actually have the money to pay for it. Instead, Fox, NBC, and CBS are trying to restructure the game sequence to sell more ads, as you both noted, but also standardize the TV window so advertisers don't overlap. Yes, I know you are wondering, how can we be so certain that this little technical change supporting my shock about this little technical change supporting my my, my not shocking prediction? I don't know. Okay. Answer, UCLA. Just as the Wooden Center chased the fool's gold of the Under Armour deal, so would it not surprise me if the promise of $70 million in TV money blew up right in the uh, right in front of the Ackerman Student Union. If it sounds too good to be true, chances are it has to do with the Bruins. I mean, even having the best advertising team in the world still does not guarantee being able to protect a house, dot, 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 of cards. Keep it mediocre, boys. Thomas, I don't understand. I don't understand the last three sentences. Help me. I'm not sure either. Um, we might need a little simpler, Thomas. We're, you know, we have simple minds here. Uh, I would say, I, I'm not sure. Like, if you're UCLA, why wouldn't you sign that Under Armour deal? Like, it's a great deal, right? Under Armour just flaked on it. I, I don't think UCLA should say, "Oh, we should we should cut off five, ten million off that deal." That's a little too much. You know, you guys not might might not be able to handle it down the road. Um, the Big Ten is not gonna they're 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 gonna get paid like you're gonna go there if you sign a contract that's worth 75 million or whatever it is like all the schools are gonna get paid like there's no that's a priority um i don't think that's an issue at all so i I don't see how this comes back on ucla you could regret taking the money but the the money will be there like you're going there for this pile of money hold on um i know we need the money we're not just doing this for money we're doing it for a shitload of money. Yeah. I don't see a way that that shitload of money is not there. If that makes sense. Yeah, agreed. Um so anyway, for the Under Armour deal, uh yeah, to Ryan's point. Okay, there's a there's a reality where if you are uh say an NFL player and you want to be on a good team, you probably don't take the absolute max money you can take because like say you're a quarterback Patrick Mahomes did that yeah because you want them to be able to surround you with better players because there is a hard cap yeah Tom Uh, Brady's done that for years that's not the way it works with business deals because there is no hard cap for Under Armour nobody could have predicted that their stock price was going to fall so considerably in a little less than a year's time after UCLA signed that deal with them like you you couldn't have guessed that um it and it would have been uh foolish for them to not to take as much money as they could taking under armor yeah now you like can if make nike an arc, was like really just under it or like, then you take nike you, you have like, but okay. that's the, but that's exactly it yeah there's value in the established brand that you know no matter what nike's going to be around yeah. um and also their equipment everyone likes their equipment like all that kind of stuff but if under armor is offering you essentially i think it was like 2x maybe 3x what they would have gotten from nike 
you got to take that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no question about it. And um, they're going to get paid off. I don't know if they have already, but they'll get they a They won that lawsuit, right? Yeah. Or um, I don't know if they've gotten the money yet, but they're going to get a big payout from it. Um, and they get another apparel deal while they're at it. So there's that. And then for the TV stuff, I mean, you know my position on that. Uh, but I don't understand the linkage between what we're saying up top, Thomas, which I agree with, that they're doing this these rule changes to um, uh, uh, make TV a little bit more uh, uh, financially lucrative. Yeah. And what you're saying, which is that they're not going to see a dime of the Big Ten money or that they're not going to see as much, um, that's not what follows here. What follows here is that they're, once again, capitalists who are trying to get as much money out of the TV deal, these networks and these advertisers. Um, and the end result will probably be a greater payout for UCLA and USC and the rest of the Big Ten schools because more money from advertisers, more efficient money from advertisers will be flowing into the TV slots. So that wouldn't be less money for UCLA. That would be more. But you're saying that by doing this, like there might be more commercial breaks. There's you know, to, to get the, the money, product will be worse. The no question suck. about it's it. Gonna, not um, suck. It's going to be worse. It's yeah. going to be worse. But and um, in the long run, that could hurt. You know, yeah, yeah, no, engagement it, in the sport. And, and that's just, a different point. The different yeah. point is that, uh, yeah, is everything that's happening right now probably bad for the sport in general? Yes. Um, but in the short term, which is how everyone seems to be thinking right now, in the next five years. UCLA and USC are going to get windfalls. Um, Will the sport exist in 20 years? Maybe not, but they're going to get a lot of money right now. True. All right. Well, I know you got a hard out of 1030. We just nailed it, I think. Yeah. Uh, But good stuff. So next week, we're going to recap the UCLA spring game. That's the last spring. Oh, wait. No spring game. Uh, Maybe just talk about the last practice. What happens? I will. I will. I will discuss that. that at length. I will give you, I will give everyone out there. Everyone out there. The non-televised version. A Ryan Abraham recap of Ooh, UCLA's last spring that. ball. Sweet. I will keep stats and everything because everyone loves stats from uh, spring football. So we need, we'll do that because there's not much else going on. So we'll recap uh, UCLA's final spring practice. It'll maybe, probably be in shorts. It'll maybe, probably last one hour. Maybe an extra special teams period uh, punting. Maybe directional punting. Like That would be good Like if we, there's some directional punting. You have no You have no an idea. So those practices are open, and I am sitting there watching so much special teams practice, so much half-speed kickoff returns. It's otherworldly. And like, here's what I'll say. I don't miss that. At least there's a quarterback competition, so that's actually fun. But good God, like the first hour of practice, it's just like this is this is this is really bad. Like this is not this is not anybody's idea of a good time. No. Uh, fun. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, for David Woods, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.